At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Today, Carl and Nick preview the Broncos' Week 11 matchup as the Denver Broncos welcome the equally struggling Cincinnati Bengals. This podcast was recorded on Tuesday, November 14th. Things may have changed since then. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me, as always, we have Mr. Nick Kendall. Now, Nick, I, I got to go to my first home Bronco game. I've been to a few in Kansas City, but my first actual home Bronco game in like 20 years. To put it into perspective, I have not been to this new stadium until this last Sunday. My, my last game was at the old mile high, and uh, it's it a little different. Is I don't know. It was a different feeling, but it was not a great game to go to, that's for sure. Yeah, I uh, did not envy you in that regard, and we both caught some big L's this week. I uh, traveled three hours, three and a half hours north to watch the Iowa Hawkeyes muster up 66 total offensive yards against the Wisconsin Badgers. So I was all hyped up after, you know, beating Ohio State, and then, oh, man, Madison's not that far of a drive. It's pretty. It's not bad. Let's let's do it. Don't regret going up there. I mean, I hung out with some of the uh, the football players' moms. They uh, – Gave me some adult beverages. That was a good time. Um, very nice people. Iowans and Wisconsin people. I mean, here are Coloradans for sure, but man, I got to love those Midwesterners. And uh, it was a fun time, but man, we got smacked. And then coming home Sunday to watch the Broncos get smacked against the Patriots and then have to do that Facebook Live afterwards knowing the comments are going to be just people tearing each other apart. It was, it was a rough football weekend. It was a rough football weekend, to put it lightly. I can see that, yeah. I, I was surrounded by Pats fans. That yeah. made it even worse. So they're sitting there cheering and looking over at me like, hey, did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, I got eyes. Thanks a lot. It was it was not fun. And then I got back to the hotel and was telling my wife of how terrible of an experience it, it was. And I walk in the room and she says, man, you smell like weed. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was uh, pretty pretty heavy at the the stadium there. And as we're talking, my, my daughter decided to call 911 on the hotel's uh, telephone. Oh, because you smell like pot? Daddy's different. Yeah, yeah, that even adds to it. But <laughs> So that was a fun one to explain to the hotel management of why 911 was called. But no, it was it was a fun weekend with the family, just not a great football game to go to. <laughs> yeah, not, not the best. Speaking of, this is a little aside here, but just for funnies. Um, I definitely made a mistake of dialing 911 when I was a kid as well. Uh, I was at my parents' house, and they had dial-up internet, right? Back in the day, the old AOL dial-up. Mm-hmm. And my buddy's phone number was... Uh, it started three 
nine one, and then the next digit was one. I did not press the three hard enough. So it was nine one one, and I heard them say nine one one. This is what is your emergency? I hung up the phone. Like oh crap, I'm in trouble. And then my dad's trying to get up dial up, and he can't get on for some reason because the cops and nine one one are trying to get back to us. Like oh my gosh, is there an emergency? Long story <laughs> short, about three minutes later, there are three cop cars out in front of our house, and I'm thinking I really messed up. I was probably like six six or seven years old, but man, def- definitely a uh, Definitely scary when you accidentally call nine one one, especially yeah, as a kid. That was my my wife panicked and jumped off the the bed, ran over, hung up the phone. I said, "Honey, you got to tell them that it wasn't an emergency. Otherwise, yep. they're going to try to call back." And about two minutes later, here came management with a very big security guard that probably should be playing for the Broncos. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was quite the quite the experience. And oh man, learning experience with kids. You'll you'll find that one out too. Some well, I mean, you've already experienced it yourself, but. It's a whole new thing when you're the parent having to explain to the cops why there is not an emergency. Yeah. I mean, I have a kid. That's the emergency. Like, help. SOS. But other than that. <laughs> other than that. Oh, man. But we better get back to the to Broncos football because, well, as you all know, that's what this, uh, this podcast pertains to. And, of course, we're going to be bringing you the game previews every single week to get you ready for the upcoming game and how to be watching the game, hopefully, as a smarter fan. With Nick and myself being film junkies, we'll be bringing you these previews with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set and X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter at CarlDemmlerMHH, as well as follow Nick at NickKindleMHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you check ours and our co-writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com, and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Hey gang, Chad Jensen here. Nick and Carl still have a lot to get to previewing Broncos versus Bengals, but first, we have to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash huddle up. Over 180,000 different titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Look, we don't always have time to sit down and turn the pages on the books that we want to read, but Audible allows us to do so while we're doing other things. We're multitasking, we're driving around town on our commutes, or we're working in the yard or in the kitchen. So do yourself a favor, get that 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. So here we are, week 11. Obviously, five-game losing streak, longest since 2000, 2010 before Elway took over. And I kind of thought maybe this week we, we'd mix it up just a little bit in the key matchups and kind of highlight maybe how we would how we would change things up to win those key matchups. Maybe not what they're actually going to do or what they've been doing, but how we'd maybe change some things up. Just, I don't know, just get into that, that coach's mindset for, for this upcoming game. Because obviously some changes need to happen. We keep hearing Vance Joseph say, you know, we got to do better. We got to make better decisions. We got to clean up the mistakes and us coaches got to do better. And every week it's the exact same thing. It seems like it's getting worse each week, actually. Oh, it's, it's, it's been bad. But I guess, is, is there any way, just, just looking at this season, is there any way to salvage anything this year? Uh, yeah, we can figure out what the heck we're doing with a bunch of young players and specifically the quarterback position, at least have some directionality. That's the thing. I don't know if you're listening to 
you know, Chad and Wills, obviously their podcast, other listeners out there, but yeah, this team just doesn't feel like they have direction right now. You know, they're just, they're just in a free fall. That might be partially because of mile high expectations, you know, every year, but right now, I mean, where, where is this team going? It's, it's, it's definitely frustrating as a fan. It is. You, You get used to certain expectations and especially since Elway's been here, it's been the win from now on mindset and to, to reach a point now where you're going, uh, let's evaluate for next year. And you still have, what, six, seven games left here? Yeah, it's not, not a seven. great feeling. Seven games, yeah, seven games. And it's, but every team goes through this at some point. I'm trying to remind myself, we are spoiled as Bronco fans. We've had winning seasons. Well, 2011, I guess, was eight and eight season. But since then, we've had winning seasons every single year. We've had two Super Bowl trips, playoffs every year, but one. And I don't know. So it, it was kind of, you and I both expect a little bit of a down year anyway. And so, yeah, time to time to do a little bit of evaluating, get some of these young guys in, see what they can do. I'd love to see Hop Henderson maybe get a few carries, maybe actually get into a game. <laughs> yeah, be active for a game. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be nice. Uh, McGovern, he's another one I'd love to get a look at. Brendan Langley, Jamal Carter. I mean, I'd, I'm ready to see the young guys. That's what, this, that's what the rest of the season is now. I mean, let's be honest. If we were taking bets right now, I don't think uh, Tlaib is here next year. And I don't think C.J. Anderson is here next year. So let's see if Booker can handle more of a load. Let's see if Langley has a chance to be the, uh, the nickel corner. Not playing that inside role, but, you know, the third cornerback role right. with Harris and Roby on the outside. But that's, I mean, that's, that's where we're at. That seems like where we're at at this team. And right now we are, desti- right now we are projected for the uh, sixth overall pick. But our schedule really lightens up from here on out. So, as, I mean, I'm not cheering for the Broncos to lose, obviously, but it would really stink to play ourselves out of a top 10 pick and then have to take a, a reach at quarterback, like the fourth quarterback off the board or something, or, you know, an offensive tackle just for the sake of taking an offensive tackle. Right. That, that was somebody had asked me earlier about that, that very thing of would you rather go the draft for quarterback or free agency? And I, I just said, I made the comment. I said, it kind of depends on where we end up in the draft. If we got a chance at a couple of the top guys, and, and, and I don't want to give away some things that we're going to be talking about here pretty soon, just kind of getting a little, little hype train for an upcoming podcast that we are working on of, of some quarterback looks at, at the draft. But, it, yeah, if we're going to be getting that fourth guy that maybe shouldn't be going in the first round, then, yeah, you got to go the free agent market. And I, But if we got that chance at one of the first two, maybe three guys, I, I don't know. I, you and I are – Kind of in the same boat. Eric's in a little bit different boat on some of that. But like I said, we'll, we'll get to that as, as time goes on. But like I said, for these key matchups, I wanted to, to look at these and see if maybe we can make some changes on how the Broncos should attack them. And, and our first key matchup, and this is a big one that the Broncos really should win big time, and that is the Bronco front seven versus the Bengals offensive line and Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon, he was a guy that Elway loved. Elway tried to trade up and get this guy quite a few times in the second round and just never quite got it done. I think many people are kind of now hoping maybe they would have just with how well our, or how bad our second round pick has been. <laughs> Do we <laughs> have even, a second round pick? I don't know. He's yeah, he's, he's on the bench for sure. But anyway, that's here nor there. Joe Mixon, very talented running back, explosive, big playability, but really this year he hasn't done a whole lot. This Bengals running game has just been pretty terrible, honestly. One of the worst in the NFL. I think they are dead last in yards rushing and second to last in yards per carry. And this Bengals offensive line is crazy how 
how quickly they've gone from probably top five offensive line to bottom five offensive line in the NFL in one year. Yeah, they're actually a unit that we can point to. You know, people criticizing the Broncos offensive line. They're not great, but I can definitively point to the Bengals offensive line and say that's a worse unit. Absolutely. Not even a question. Yeah, exactly. And it's been both run and pass. Yeah, they're bad. They've given up the the 11th most sacks. I saw a stat the other day of Andy Dalton actually is pretty good under pressure, but he's under pressure a lot. So he's got a lot of practice at it this year. And yeah, it's it's just been terrible. And Joe Mixon, he can do a lot of things, but when he's getting hit in the backfield, that's, that's something that any running back is going to struggle. Saquon Barkley, just thinking of next year's draft. I've had a lot of people say, oh, he's had two terrible games. Is he really still the best prospect in this upcoming draft? Well, his offensive line has been terrible. It's not like he all of a sudden just fell off a cliff. No, it's just they've faced some better competition and the offensive line's not holding up. It's crazy how those things all kind of work together. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I mean, like looking, I was listening to, you know, some talking heads the other day talking about where did the Cowboys make the right decision taking Ezekiel Elliott fourth overall instead of Jalen Ramsey. And thinking about it, I probably would have taken the corner just because I definitely value shutdown corners, especially ones that can play man. But for the, for the Cowboys at the time, I mean, I, ca- I can't fault them for the Elliott pick because they already had a great offensive line. And to add that running back to an already established offensive line, I mean, that, that builds a team-defining unit, you know? So like right. a team like – the Broncos had a good offensive line and they had a chance at Saquon Barkley. Ab- ab- I still might take Saquon just because he's that talented. But um, when you have that offensive line, you can add that piece just to complement it and be a identity-defining like part of your team, then I think you go there. But I'm, I'm with you 110%. This Bengals offensive line is bad, and even though Mixon is a great talent, uh, I think he's definitely has an uphill battle because, I mean, they lost Andrew Whitworth, who I'm still bitter that he didn't come to the Broncos. He'd have been my priority number one free agent in the offseason, uh, even though he's older. He's now with the Rams and playing still excellent football. So some of those people who are worried about Garrett Bowles being older, don't worry so much about offensive line uh, being a little bit older. That's not as big of a deal. Whitworth is, what, 35, 36 now? Yep. Still playing great football. Still playing awesome football. I mean, look at what the Rams are doing this year. It's, just, it's, it's almost frustrating as a Bronco fan to see what they're doing after that offensive turnaround. Um, and then they also lost really good to the Browns, who were building a solid offensive line, just really stink at wide receiver, quarterback, and running back, and coaching in front office and culture and everything. But besides the point, yeah, this uh, Bengals offensive line is bad. I do have some questions about Joe Mixon's ability um, it's never been about, you know, is he athletic or can he make guys miss or is he an explosive player? Yes to all of that. But he does tend to be a guy who wants to kick everything outside. And there are creases. I've, I did watch some of the Bengals tape the last two days, especially that All-22, because I like to break down the trenches and you get a better view with that All-22 tape. And there are creases there for Mixon, but he just looks like he's a guy who doesn't trust his eyes. And instead of taking those holes that are opening up, he's kicking it outside right away. So that's going to be big for the Broncos. And I, that's really big for our edge defenders because – specifically Shane Ray, they've been really struggling at containing the edge, you know, crashing inside, cheating, so to speak, as, as I like to call it. And if you lose that gap integrity when you're the edge defender, that can lead to some big plays. And we've seen that the last few weeks, specifically at Shane Ray's side. Right. That, that Eagles game, 37 carries for 197 yards, three touchdowns. There was some, some contained plays that just, oh, so frustrating to watch. And it is, I, I think the Broncos on defense, they've gotten undisciplined here the last few weeks, they know that they have to go out and make a really big play. And so that makes them take chances that they really shouldn't be taking anyway. They, they're they a great defense. This, the big plays are going to come, but right now they're just, they're not playing that way. And 
watching the Patriots game, watching it live, they really didn't have a great yards per carry game. I mean, they still rushed for under 100 yards. I think 99 yards is what they had. But it was them picking up those third and fourth and, and short plays where they'd get the one to two yards. And the Broncos just not able to get the push, not able to, to, to make the big stop in the backfield like they were in the first few weeks of the season. And, and so it's just, this is a, what I would call one of those get right games for the defense, the Bengals. I, I would say that they might be a worse offense than the Broncos. That, that's hard to say. I, I, it'd be close. I, I don't know which way I would go on those, but I think they're averaging like 16, 17 points a game. So it, it, they are a terrible offense. This defense, they should dominate. If they give up 30 points to this team, it, it's embarrassing, honestly. That, that's what I would say. It's just a very embarrassing thing if this defense can't dominate this this Bengals offense. They have to hold their own. Offense has to go out and score a few points because the Bengals defense will get to them a little bit more. It's, it's, they're pretty good. They have some talent on the defensive side. But offensively, I would say it kind of goes to to our next key matchup, and that is A.J. Green versus Tlaib, Harris, or Roby. Because they'll, they'll rotate on him. I think Tlaib will probably be on him the most, just would be my guess, because A.J. Green likes to play that right side, and Tlaib pretty much stays on that side most plays. So th- that's going to be the, the main matchup I think you're going to see. But my question to you with this is A.J. Green, one of the most talented wide receivers out there. I'm not one that puts him in the upper echelon of, of wide receivers, like with the Julio Jones and Brown from Steelers. I I don't put him quite into that quite a level, but he's up there. He's still a very, very talented guy. So my question to you is what do you do with him? Do you leave him in single coverage and say, Tlaib, we're going to trust you this game, or do you send help to that side? Um, I probably still send help to that side because how good he is down the field, uh, especially, I mean, he's, what is he, 6'4", 215 pounds with arms that are almost 35 inches long. I mean, that's that's offensive tackle arm length right there. And then he has big hands as well and can really jump and just such an acrobat in the air. Uh, very clean route runner as well. I mean, I'm surprised you're not a big fan of him because big guys that can run routes like that are pretty pretty darn impressive to me. Only they're it's, a little bit more lumbering. My, my biggest thing against him, and this is why I like Brown and, and Jones a little bit more, is – they are a little bit more of the all-around can run every route and be successful at it. I'm not saying A.J. Green can't, but he doesn't really like to run over the middle a whole lot. He is more of your deep threat or threaten the deep threat, come with the comeback, sometimes run the quick slant here and there kind of guy. And I just I like the guys that are willing to go over the middle a little bit more. Just to, you eliminate some of the routes that they're going to run just because you know what kind of wide receiver he is. Counterpoint to that over-the-middle talk, though. Maybe a guy like Julio, who was going over the middle, is now you know starting to be zapped a little bit because he's getting injured, and that has a result of taking some of those bigger hits over the middle. I hear you, though. You want a tough guy that can go over the middle and bring those down, but at the same time, you know, it does, it does play a long-term factor. Yeah, uh, it depends. I guess A.J. Green, I like him if you have certain receivers attached to him. If you have more of that possession guy that can go over the middle that they have, they have to still worry about. And, you know, there for a while they had that with, I'm trying to remember who they all had there. Marvin Jones. Is that right? Yep. They had Marvin Jones there for a while. As an Alliant energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. 
I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. And I'm trying to think as well. Let me see. They did have a Mohamed Sanu. Really yeah, good for there you go. There you go. So those kind of guys, they were great possession receivers that you still had to worry about covering those areas. And so then AJ Green, he could be your deep threat and and they could have to keep state safeties in certain spots. I'm not sure that they have that as much right now. They have Brandon LaFell, who's okay. He's not great, but he's John okay. Ross. And and John Ross, he has finally gotten healthy. So I'm I'm interested to see how that changes the offense. He hasn't been really healthy all year, got his first start. They're not start. I guess he played this last week, really. And I don't know. I, I just, with A.J. Green, like I said, I feel like you need some other players just to help take a lot of pressure off him so he could be as dynamic as he is. He's still a great player. I, I'd still put him top seven. I just don't know about that top five range for me. I think he'd be in that six and seven range. And and you're right. Those other guys, they're going to break down a little bit more. Although A.J. Green has had some injury issues the last couple of years. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. He's just... There's just something about him. There's something that I just haven't seen from him that I've seen from other guys that I just would say are the elite guys. Who are your top five? You said you keep saying five, but you listed Brown and Julio. Who else is up there for you? You're a wide receiver guy, so I'll I'll take your question. Okay. Put you on the spot. I can edit without the, you know, put on the uh, Jeopardy time right now while you're thinking. Time's up, Carl. Where are you going? Is up yes, there. Mike Evans is up there for me. Odell Beckham, when he's healthy, he's got to be up there. Odell Beckham, yeah, that's definitely one. Demarius Thomas? No. Top 10. I like Thomas, but he's just he, – Thomas has always frustrated me a little bit because he is that big wide receiver that, and he's strong, but he doesn't seem to win as many 50-50 balls as I would like. And he doesn't really always put the effort forward that I, I'd like to see – on some of those where he's getting into traffic, yeah. there was one at the game this last Sunday where it was thrown behind him. Not an easy catch, but I just didn't see him make the effort to really go back and get it. He just kind of, because he knew he was going to get popped. So he just kind of turned a little bit, dropped the ball, and then just kind of braced himself for the hit. And I don't mind him protecting himself, but it just was one of those plays. I was like, oh man, come on. Put a what little about- bit more. You know, you're that team captain. You're that guy that people are looking for to make that play. And he just didn't do it. Yeah, so, I feel yeah. I feel like was, all that trade DT campaign BS just has me really defensive of him. Yeah, just, no, I understand. I, I still want him on the team. Don't get me wrong. I, I still love him. I just, I, I can't put him quite top 10 for me. He's in that 10 to 15 range. So yeah, my other guy, oh, go ahead. Looking at the list of receivers though. I mean, you got T.Y. Hilton who could be up there. Des Bryant's really taking a step back. I don't know if you've seen a lot of his tape recently, but he's not the same Des Bryant. No, before. I, I don't, I, I don't have him top 10. Jordy Nelson, when healthy, is pretty good, but he's been pretty banged up quite a bit lately. I would... Stephon yeah, Diggs there. is top 10. Do I what? think. Stephon Diggs. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been a monster. He's, he's so underrated. Oh, it's crazy so how underrated he is. I My other receiver I'd have up there... And he doesn't he hasn't put up the stats, but I blame that more on the quarterback than him as a player. And that's DeAndre Hopkins. Ah. His hands are just I'd put him as the top hands in the NFL. I've seen him make some catches that just 
make me go, oh my goodness. <laughs> he makes a, a quarterback look better than they do, than they really are. And I, I feel like he's kind of like in that Larry Fitzgerald way of things of can't put up the stats because he just doesn't have a quarterback that can get it to him. And he finally did. And then the quarterback tears his ACL in practice. Yeah. So he's another one. I, I really love to watch him play. I know not everybody's going to have him in their top five, but, but I do. Yeah. I definitely have AJ green in my top, top five. I think top three, Julio, Antonio Brown and AJ green. But I love those big physical freaks that can win as that flanker wide receiver down the field. And that's, that's what AJ green brings. I do agree with you. They will use to on him more and hopefully they have a, safety bordering or shading that way a little bit because I think this Broncos offense or defense can survive with, you know, some paper cuts. But if you're giving up a big 60, 70 yard touchdown pass to AJ green with how our offense has been struggling, I just, you can't let that happen. And if you're leaving them one-on-one, that's, that's asking for it. I mean, they're going to take that shot. Andy Dalton is no fear throwing it up to AJ green because he's come down with it so many times. So agreed. Agreed. And that's, he's kind of, in that Calvin Johnson, when he goes deep, look, you just throw it up to him because you think you, he can come down with it. Even when he's covered, you still want to make that. You just want to at least attempt it a couple times a game. So Broncos got to get ready for that. I, I agree. I would put safety help on that side. I don't see any other weapons that make me go, man, we got to keep other guys around. Tight end, they're not looking all that great. Tyler Croft, yeah, he's okay. He's big. <laughs> he's huge, but he's not a good athlete. Right. John Ross is the one guy just because we haven't really seen him on the field and how they're going to try to use him. That could be a little bit of a, a matchup nightmare. When you're at 4140 or whatever the heck it was. Right, right. <laughs> and then, yeah, Brandon LaFell, you cover him one on one. You don't offer any extra help on that. Yeah. And they, I, they haven't really used their running backs a ton out of the backfield, a little bit, but not, not compared to some of the other teams that we've played recently. This is really one of the best matchups for this Broncos defense, really the Broncos in general. The Bengals, they can't put up a whole lot of points because their offense is limited. Defensively, and we'll, we'll get into this here a little bit, but teams have really attacked them with the run game and have found decent success. Not great. They, they are a good defense, but this is going to be a, a low-scoring game unless there's just tons of turnovers, which, <laughs> as we know, the Broncos are prone to do. So that's the only way I see this game getting out of hand is if the turnovers just continue like crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so cliche to say turnovers are a key thing, but I mean, it's, it's so true. We talk about it every week, but if you're turning the ball over like the Broncos are, the Broncos have won, I think it's 30 games in a row when they win the turnover battle. And we're like negative in the double digits now in the turnovers this year. So it's just, it's so indicative of how, if you're going to win football games and how you're playing. And right now it's just, it's not good. Right. You think of this, you think of this last game, just special teams alone. And and these weren't all turnovers, but you got the muff punt to start off the game, which leads to seven points. You got the return kickoff. That's another seven points. You got the 12 men on the field when they were actually punting it to us. And then it leads to another touchdown. That's 21 points just from those three stupid mistakes. And otherwise it's a, a 20 to 16 game. And it looks like the Broncos are really competing well with one of the top teams in the NFL. Yeah. That's, that's the difference between a close game and a blowout. Yep, absolutely. And you look at a team like the, the – I mean, you stack the roster up on the Patriots' defense to the Broncos' defense. Broncos' defense is way better. But week in and week out, year after year, Bill Belichick and his defense, even if they're missing some talent, they might struggle to begin the year. Then they just start clicking. They don't make mistakes. They don't shoot themselves in the foot. 
and they, you know, just do their job, do your job and the rest will work. Right. And I mean, you see, you know, you heard Vance Joseph talking about a couple weeks ago, the defense kind of fell apart because people are freelancing, um, not just not playing with discipline because they're trying to make stuff happen. You touched on it as well. And that's how you lead to these big plays. That's how you, the run defense breaks down. I mean, you have to have 11 guys play after play executing, doing their job for these defensive structures to work. I mean, a lot of Joe Woods is getting a lot of heat as he should. Um, all the coordinators coaches are, but if the team isn't executing, it, it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how ta- talented you are. Honestly, if you're not executing, it's not going to happen for you. This isn't college football where if you execute poorly as you're, if you're Alabama against Saginaw Valley state of the poor or whatever the heck small school they play every year, it doesn't matter then, but in the NFL, everybody's talented. So you can't go out there and play like the Broncos are just coughing the ball up, committing penalties, too many men on the field, not enough men on the field. I mean, JC, I'm not going to curse in front of you, Mr. Pasture, but like, come on, <laughs> come on. It's so frustrating. It is. It oh really my is. God. I'm, I hate to be, you know, Mr. Negative, but it's just, we haven't won a game since that Raiders game. Disheartening, frustrating. I mean, you can see it on social media and the comments. I mean, I, I don't live in Colorado, but I'm guessing it's probably just been a permanent state of cloudiness. I know Colorado is one of the sunniest states in the country, but it's probably just been nonstop overcast there since that Raiders loss because it just seems doom and gloom over there in Denver. And I, I don't blame them. I mean, this is a team with high expectations, players with high expectations, especially on the defense, and they're falling flat. They look like a top five, top ten worst team in the league, and that's just something they're not used to. So it's frustrating, but the, I, again, sorry I'm ranting, blah, blah, blah over here. I, but I agree with you. This roster that the, the Bengals have and just how they've been playing, I think the Broncos have a chance to get back on the winning track here. And as long as the Bengals don't have a re- revelation and they start using their running backs in the passing game, because they do have running backs who I think would be really good in the passing game, definitely a matchup issue with the Broncos. You know, Joe Mixon's a very good athlete. And then you got Giovanni Bernard, who was the first running back taken in, God, I want to say it was the 2013 draft. But if the Bengals were smart, They'd use those guys in the past game a lot because the Broncos have shown time and time again that they're going to struggle with that. Will Parks for being, you know, giving them some credit against the Raiders weeks ago. He was god-awful against the Patriots. Um, Brandon Marshall looks like somebody sucked his soul out or something. He's been playing horrible. Catching punts, too. What the heck's going on? <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, did you see he, tw- he uh, put that on Twitter? I caught a punt today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're losing like this, at some point, you just got to laugh at yourself, I guess. I mean, that probably pisses some people off, too. But, like, what do you even do? I was watching the game, and I'm just literally just laughing. My girlfriend's getting mad at me because she's getting pissed that the Broncos are getting kicked in the teeth. And I'm just laughing because it's – you need the, I, I hear the uh, yakety-yak playing in the background. Just comedy for the special teams out there. So, <sighs> sorry, totally got off track there. We did, we did, but that's all right. I mean, it's it's just it's on everybody's mind as Bronco fans right now. Every one of us are having these same thoughts of how in the world can this team just be doing this terrible? Because it, it's been so long since we've seen them struggle like this, and and thankfully, I'm, I'm kind of with you where I, I've just I've kind of reached that point of just expecting it, so it doesn't really bother me as much as it did in years past. I still remember, I, I still have hateful feelings of that Raiders game where they blew us out. Oh, yeah. Was that 2010? I blocked that out, so I have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bringing back terrible memories here. But, but you know, back then, it was just kind of like, oh, my gosh, I just wanted to punch something and, and just punch a hole in the wall, whatever it would be. And, and now I'm just kind of like, well, this is where this team's at. And unfortunately, that's that's the case. And 
it's a mix of everything. Players not doing their job, coaches not coaching well, teams very divided, players calling out coaches, coaches calling out players. It's just, it's been a mess of a mess of a mess. And you and I, we've been talking to Eric a ton this week of just like, what are they doing? They make decisions that just have us scratching our head every single day. And I was kind of thinking that a little bit today, and it's not a huge head scratcher, but we wanted to hit on this a little bit of Kasim Edibali being cut. I just, I guess I didn't expect it. He's played some, quite a decent number of snaps. He's been, I guess, maybe the, the fall guy for special teams. I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's been blowing the lanes. I haven't really uh, taken the time to totally break down special teams play. That seems like something that wouldn't be the most fun with how they're playing right now. I'm not using my free time to watch the Broncos special teams run around and, <laughs> To the background again, once again, yakety yak playing around in the background. But right, yeah, I don't know. Are they going to bring? Have you heard who they're going to bring up, or do you have any idea? I, I don't. I was kind of looking at our practice squad, trying to figure out maybe somebody they'd bring in. You'd kind of mention maybe Hunter Sharp. That's who I think. Yeah, yeah, he makes a lot of sense. Just oh, just I mean, special teams kind of guy. You're losing a special teams guy, so you yeah. need a special teams guy. And he also has returned for us. Right. And wide receiver, I don't know. It's kind of a iffy position. It's, I mean, DT's been okay. Sanders has been great when he's playing, but he's been banged up a little bit. And it looks almost looks like Latimer has replaced Benny as the third wide receiver. Yeah, after Benny had that multiple drop game, I haven't heard anything from him. And Latimer, his uh, wife or somebody in his family always retweets me when I tweet about him. But seriously, I cannot get enough of his blocking. I love him in the blocking game where he can get to that second level. He pops safeties. I don't, his rookie year in preseason when I think he knocked out uh, Bethea, the 49ers, I mean, not dirty, just literally just popped him. And that's something that it's cyclical. I mean, obviously the running game is not getting big plays right now because the passing game is then opening it up and we're playing from behind, yada, yada. But I mean, when you can get those running, those wide receivers blocking that hard at the second level and you can get somebody explosive out there, like, I don't know, D'Angelo Henderson, you can get to that second level and then a wide receiver gives him a lane at that second, third level. I mean, that's, that's the big plays, and we right. just have not been having those. Right. So. Yeah, that, that's the difference between a eight-yard run and a, an 80-yard run. I, I kind of mentioned, I remember Benny Fowler, it was a, a play where Jamal Charles bounced it to the outside, and he had a free lane. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And Benny Fowler came up to block his guy and completely whiffed, and he was the last guy for Jamal Charles to beat. And I don't think Charles expected him to be there because he expected that player to be blocked. And – turned into I think it was like a three or four yard gain but there was like nobody beyond that one guy and Benny Fowler just missed his guy so yeah I can understand why they've made the change Fowler hasn't been getting it done he just he doesn't seem he started out so good he had that two touchdown game to start the season and it's just been downhill ever since I I don't know what's all going on there for him but yeah the whole team it just it's chaos right now that's the best word to describe what the team is. Yeah, and they're pointing the fingers at each other. It's just, it's frustrating. But anyway. Hey gang, Chad again. The fellas still have a lot to get to, but first, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Morty, M-O-R-T-Y, the newest and smartest way to get a home mortgage. If you've ever bought a home, you know that the mortgage process can be some of the most confusing and painful hours of your life. Take it from me as somebody who has gone through that process, the simpler it can be, the better. 
and Morty makes it fast and easy. Morty not only simplifies the process, but they help you find the smartest mortgage that's right for you. Just input your information into Morty's secure website, and in less time than it takes to hear this ad, you can shop qualified rates from different lenders. With Morty, you'll get real loan options in minutes without ever being called or sold to by a mortgage broker. And by shopping loans from different lenders, you're able to pick up the rate and term that best fits your needs. In addition to that, Morty can automatically generate a pre-approval letter online for you in minutes, which will help you speed up the home buying process and talk confidently to realtors and sellers. Morty wants to save you money. At Morty, there are no commission salespeople, so their experts exist solely to get you the best deal possible. If you ever get stuck or have questions, someone from Morty's team is always ready to assist you over real-time chat or on the phone. So whether you're a first-time home buyer looking to refinance or buying an investment property, head over to trymorty.com huddle to get started today. That's T-R-Y-M-O-R-T-Y, trymorty.com huddle. Morty Inc. is a licensed mortgage broker, equal housing lender, NMISConsumeraccess.org, number 1429243. All right, well, now we're going to flip the ball, uh, and we're going to focus on the Broncos offense, which honestly I think has been playing a little bit better the last few weeks. We're going from totally horrible to mostly horrible, so I guess progress is progress. But, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a little bit better. Granted, I think we're getting blown out so much. So teams aren't really bringing it to us as much at the end of the games, but I'll just take the progress. I'll look at it through some orange tinted glasses and we'll, we'll take it, whether it be the quarterback, you know, playing position, playing a little better or the offensive line blocking a little better or just executing better. I mean, I can't really say for sure. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the, uh, the meetings. I don't know the play is being called, but they look like they're playing better. And this week, I think that they have a, a better matchup than they've had the last few weeks at least with the Bengals offense struggling as well. At least the game should be close, you know, so that can make the offense at least show what they're going to have. And it's like you touched on a little bit earlier. It's definitely going to start with the run game this week. The Bengals have struggled against the run this season. They do have some bigger defensive ends that are good at holding the edge, but they've had a rotating, just rotating bodies at that off ball linebacker position. The safeties aren't playing as well. And they're just, they're just not executing in their gaps. Maybe perhaps they missed the, uh, Pecco, who was underrated for them for years. I'm just saying. What? Uh, but yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, they've, they've really struggled to stop the run this season. And I think part of it is teams just don't want to throw against them a whole lot. They do have a good secondary. And so if you can beat them with the run game, because a lot of their guys, I, I do think fit more of that pass rushing mentality than they do the all around or run I don't know, run defenders, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they're they're edge rushers. Their starting edge rushers are some big guys that do a good job of holding the edge. But inside, Geno Atkins, I'd say he's more of a pass rusher than he is a run stuffer. He's great. His name doesn't get talked. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Wendy's new French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me, did you just say Wendy's new French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? 
Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. About enough for interior players, really, I would say. I mean, he is... I'd put him up there with Donald when it comes to pass rushing ability, but Donald offers a little bit more an all around ability. I mean, that's why I'd, I'd rather have Donald than, than Atkins plus age adds into that. But, and then they have guys like Carl Lawson, good name. Uh, he's fighting for defensive rookie of the year, but he's more of a pass rusher. That's where they'll kind of bring him down to the defensive line to, to get after the quarterback on pass rushing situations. Um, but yeah, they're just, that's where they're, they're vulnerable. Teams can rush against them. I watched that Titans game. They love to attack the middle there, but they got some big bruisers too, and they they got some powerful, powerful offensive line guys going too. But, but no, that that's where I would I would attack with the Broncos. Get some interior guys going, and then pop it outside every couple, every once in a while with with Jamal Charles. Try to get him to the edge. I wish they'd get him more involved in the offense. I really don't know why not. He looks he looks explosive. He's not Charles of old, but he's still an explosive player. There were a couple runs against the the Patriots that it, you know you had to do the the double look of oh Charles came in yep that was explode that was nice you know that that was that was fun to watch but I just wish they'd use him a little bit more to really add that pizzazz I don't know what you want to call it that the spark for the offense I don't I don't know what they're doing I that's what I say every single day when I get on Twitter and look what the Broncos have done for the day or talk to to you guys and and Eric and. <laughs> Oh goodness! But no, they they are they're vulnerable against the run, and and so the Broncos really need to just rely on their running backs. That's the strength of their team on the offense: run the football behind that big, strong offensive line that's actually doing really well. I think they had one of their best games of the year against the Patriots. Pass blocking wise, I think they only allowed a couple pressures, and run blocking wise, I think they averaged quite a few. I think it was like four point five yards a carry or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I mean. When we're we're looking at how the offensive line has been doing, two of the last three weeks have been two of their best games of the year, if not their best games of the year. Eagles game was not great, <laughs> but but the other two against the the Chiefs and against the Patriots, they've looked good. They have not been the, the reason that we've been losing, at least in those games. So this is this is an opportunity again to control the ball, especially being at home. Maybe get a lead early on and and see what they can do. Yeah, I agree with you. And they do. They have had some injuries on the uh, the second level. Uh, Montez Burfik, to we'll see if he's even going to be eligible. I thought his ejection was a little bit soft, but when you have that reputation, you know, either you earned it. You know, it's not from that action in that game. It's everything you've done in your career. And I think it was his first ejection in a game as well. I might be wrong there, but that's blows my mind. And Kevin Minter uh, did not play. Last week, either a free agent signing for them from the Cardinals, a off-ball linebacker from the uh, Louisiana State Tigers. Um, they do also have a nice young linebacker in Nick Vigil, who was a third-round pick, good athlete, and a backup linebacker who's been pretty solid for them forever, uh, Vincent Ray. But they just they really lack speed at that second level. And then you talked about it, the interior. As good as Geno Atkins is, is getting after the passer. Passer. He's not the best anchoring, you know, controlling his gaps, and he can get washed out. So I'm excited to watch uh, Paradis and Leary against him this week. I think that's a matchup where it's going to be fun to watch because, I mean, Leary's, what is the top three highest-rated 
pass blocking guard this season. And uh, Atkins is one of the best pass, pass rushing defensive tackles. But Broncos should be able to run the football. They have to run the football. And this is a game where hopefully they'll start to get it together. And I wouldn't mind seeing some more McGovern and Elijah Wilkinson in there as well, getting some of those younger guys some reps, just seeing what we have, how they can get better and tape for them to improve on. Definitely. Something else I'd really like to see the Broncos do this week. I was thinking about this because I, I watched I watched the Titans especially do well at this, of running a lot of the the counter plays, of just not exactly knowing which which gap it's going to go to, blocking one way but running the other. And you talked about the speed of the linebackers is not great. So if they take one wrong step, their gap can really be vulnerable to a speed guy, especially, like I said, with Jamal Charles. Get him an open space. Get him an opportunity just to have that little bit of a seam, and we got ourselves a big play. And C.J. Anderson and all those guys have really talked about it, that they're missing the big play. And it was, it was the same in, in the Patriots game where they had a couple big plays, but it wasn't to finish. It wasn't a play that got finished in the end zone. Always ended in the red zone, and then they couldn't finish off with a touchdown. So needing to see just one, one time of just seeing these guys break loose and, and see what they can do. But, yeah, like I said, this is a really good opportunity for a get-right game for the Broncos, really right some wrongs, get some, some positive vibes going back in the, the locker room and with the team. They have, I think, strength of schedule-wise, the fifth easiest schedule remaining. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's either four or five or six. Yeah, somewhere in there. But it, it's, it's one of the easier schedules remaining. I think the only team with the winning record they have left is the Chiefs. Yes. And it's, and it's at home, so not too bad. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see how they do. This is a, there's a lot of jobs on the line over these next seven weeks. And especially for the coaching staff, I'm, I'm interested to see what all happens there because if they can't win some of these games, at least go three and four, I think there's going to be a lot of jobs up for grabs this next year. They might even have to do better than that to, to even save a few more other jobs, but I don't know. It's, it's a crazy time as a Broncos fan. Unprecedented except unprecedented in the LA era, put it that way. And you touched on it as well. Um, we don't really have a, a bullet on this, but I did want to, touch on these guys, give them, give them some love. But this Bengals secondary, especially at the cornerback position, does have some serious talent. Uh, they have four first-round picks, I believe. Four first-round picks? Yeah, that's right. Um, Pac-Man Jones, Adam Jones, who, you know, had that whole incident in the strip club when he was a Titan, but still a pretty good athlete, definitely up there in age. But the fact he stuck around this long is pretty impressive. He's a, he's a pretty good player. Um, Drake Kirkpatrick, who I believe was injured last week. He did play, but oh, he was out um, with an illness last week in practice. But he, he did play, and he's – taken a few years to really reach his potential, but I think he's like six two, six three, and just a really good press man corner. Not the not the smoothest guy. He doesn't flip those hips very well, but with his length, length and his athleticism, he can really be a nuisance at the catch point at the top of the route. And then they have a first round bust who luckily the Broncos didn't pick, but plays pretty good for a third or fourth corner. Um Darquez Denard from Michigan State. Never been the, the best pick for them. He definitely, Broncos got lucky taking Bradley Roby instead of getting stuck with Darquez Denard. But as a third and fourth corner, he's pretty good. And then somebody who's very talented, didn't play at all last year, but kind of gets, doesn't really get the credit that he should, but just probably one of the better young cornerbacks in football. And that's uh, William Jackson the third, uh, 16th overall pick two seasons ago, missed last year with an injury, and has been playing excellent football this year when he's in there. They're slowly but surely. But really just a fun player, good athlete, six foot, moves very well, and one of the better, younger, up-and-coming cornerbacks in the league. Which is, uh, again, why we keep harping on the fact that the Broncos are going to have to win with the run game. Yeah, Teams have, have tried to challenge this, 
this Bengals secondary, and they are not why they are losing. Just look at their their scores in games. The, the defense is keeping them in games, just like our defense until these last couple games have kept us in games. But the, the offense just doesn't do enough to score. And so teams realize, hey, we can be conservative. We can run the football. We don't have to score a ton to win this game, so might as well just control the clock and uh, keep our defense off the off the field as much as we can. And I'm going to guess the Broncos are going to try to do the exact same game plan that a lot of other teams have done to put the Bengals in really the same spot the Broncos are in. They're, they're three and six and just really struggling and, and just a lot of, I've seen a lot of Bengals fans kind of having the same attitude as Bronco fans because they, they haven't been used to losing until these last couple of years. They, they've been a, a pretty consistent playoff team. Haven't been Super Bowl, obviously, but <laughs> or even to the second round of the playoffs. But they've been a very consistent team. And these last couple of years, they've really struggled. And and especially this offense, they just haven't had they've lost a ton on this offense. It's crazy to think of some of the talent of offensive line, but wide receiver tight end hasn't been healthy. It's just it's been a, a train wreck for that offense for them. And, and talking about train wreck, one of the biggest train wrecks on the team for them is their tackles. Like I said, last year, they were one of the better offensive lines. They had one of the best left tackles in football. And now they have Andre Smith and Cedric. How about you say the last name? Ogabui. Ogabui. There we go. Just wanted to make sure I didn't say it wrong here. These two have been two of the worst tackles in football this year. This is where, again, we come back to Watson wasn't as bad as a lot of Bronco fans made him out to be. You can go watch some film on on the Bengals, and you're going to see a group that both of them combined are just not great. They get beat quite often around the edge. They get overpowered. There's just nothing good that they do. Run game, they're terrible. At least our tackles were really good in the run game. These guys aren't even that. And they've had a couple injuries as well. It's just, it's been, it's been bad. And so this is a week, and we say this every week, somebody else has to win but Vaughn. Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett, what, where have you gone? It's not like you've played the who's who of, of left tackles either. Nate Soldier is an average left tackle. Oh, Eric Fisher. The Eagles? What? The Eagles left tackle was? Yeah. That's <laughs> how <laughs> you pronounce it. I'm trying to remember his name. I just remember Vitae. I cannot pronounce the first name. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I always think of the, the alcoholic drink, Mai Tais. Oh, yeah. That's, that's how I always try to remember how to pronounce it. His first name sounds like the name of the state fish of Hawaii. It's like, Humu humu nua numu numa apua ah. It seriously is something like it's 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 a pretty awesome name. I wish I had that name. It always I mean, makes it would me be think of uh, of uh, that skit that uh, what's the group that did the the names for like the Senior Bowl or something like that. Oh, Keith Peel. Yeah, yeah, that that group. Oh goodness! If it, if you haven't seen that skit, you need to go watch it. But but again, this is a week. Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett, somebody has to show up. Even on the interior. They're not great on the interior either. No, they're not. They're really not. Somebody, somebody. I'm going to get into my guy of of the X Factor for that very reason. Because Von Miller, he is a one-man wrecking crew. Double teamed, triple teamed. He's still getting to the quarterback. There was a couple times in that Patriots game. He got so close. I really thought, like the whole crowd, I think, thought that he'd gotten there. And it caused a strip sack because, I mean, everybody was cheering. And then all of a sudden, we realized that somehow uh, Mr. Torn Rotator Cuff Bennett had the ball in his hands and was running down the field because he was wide open. Screw that guy. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. He is, yeah, he is. Screw that guy. <laughs> he and his brother. 
They are uh, quite the characters, that's for sure. But anyway, again, front four guys, they got to go out there and win this battle. <sighs> Defense, this is such a get-right game. I can't believe how this is probably the easiest matchup for this defense all year. It really is. Uh, we got the Jets coming up. I, I would put the Jets over the Bengals. Maybe. I don't know. They don't have any true game-changing weapons. And I'd say the Bengals' offensive line is probably about even. I don't know. It's close. They both stink. All right. All right. Agree to disagree on that one. Yeah, but yeah they, they are close, though. So uh, a great matchup for the Broncos. Somebody go out there and win. And, and like I said, that brings us to our X factor. And, and last week I picked CJ Anderson had to be the guy that went out there and really just took over, kept the game where the Broncos offense was on the field, kept the, the Patriots defense or Patriots offense off the field. And I mean, he didn't do too bad. 10 carries 54 yards, but really with the offense, it wasn't a matter of moving the ball. We had talked about this, the, the Patriots, one of the worst defenses when it comes to yards per game where they where they thrive is red zone defense. They show up big time when it comes to, to points and yeah, they, they couldn't finish off drives. CJ Anderson got close on a couple of them, but by the time the game was so blown out, it, I mean, the running game was just pretty much non-existent at that point. And, and Nick, I couldn't quite remember who yours was. I looked at the old notes. I did not see it in it. So I can't remember either. I think I said DT. We'll go with DT because that's what I wrote my piece on. Um, I don't think it was DT. Gosh darn it. What was it? Well, either way, I wrote a piece saying DT was the key matchup, and he played pretty well, I thought. He had that miss, that drop, but struggled there. And Emmanuel Sanders also had his best game of the season. So our wide receivers, um, although Brock Osweiler might not be that big of a step up from Trevor Simeon, I think our wide receivers are happy to have him back because their stats are definitely improving. Definitely improving. Well, this oh. week I, I picked Derek Wolf. And big part, he has been incredible in the run game this year. Really stepped up. That the whole unit has just been so much better. And I, I, Wolf has been a big part of that. I watched him make a couple plays down the line of scrimmage in that that Patriots game, which was really fun to to see him make a couple plays in the backfield. But he really hasn't been that great of a pass rusher this year, at least compared to, to years past. That 2015 season, when he finally came off suspension, he was – a man on fire. He was starting to show that he was that top 10 all around defensive end in the NFL. And this year, I just I haven't seen that interior pass rush from him. So this is a, a game where he has an easier matchup. I think he can go out there and, and be a dominating force, really get into the face of Andy Dalton. And he needs to be. He's one of those guys he's been talking about. Well, I'm ticked off. I hate what's going on. We hate losing. Well, Go out there and make the big play. Go be the the deciding factor of getting the turnover or getting the big strip sack or, or whatever it may be. I, I just want to see him go make a play, especially in the pass game. Yeah, I do wonder if his ankle is still an issue. I wouldn't be surprised at all if when the season gets closer or something like, oh, Derek Wolf scheduled for ankle surgery just because that was a serious sprain and he's definitely looked slower and hobbled compared to years past. But maybe that's just part of football. You know, it's starting to add up the hits and the injuries and playing rough and especially playing the trench play. It's uh, not for a long time. That's why I never fault those guys for making as much money as they can while they can, because you don't have a long window in the NFL. Yeah. He, I think he went on the radio last week or the week before, and they'd ask him if he was, if he was hurting. And he said, yeah, got a banged up ankle, banged up knee, got a bruised kidney. He had his uh, dislocated finger. 
mm. that they didn't know if he was going to play against the Chiefs, and he ended up playing. So for those who, I don't know, get after players for not getting on the field, these guys, they take a lot. It takes a beating on their bodies. I've, I've talked to ex-players and, and many, especially just even college guys. I, I had one college kid I talked to. He wasn't a college kid. He was like 40, 45 years old. He had had 22 knee surgeries oh my and God. like two wrist surgeries. And he couldn't sit in a normal chair because it hurt too bad. And he just played in college. Yeah, it's, it's a rough game. I mean, <laughs> I love it still, but I'm glad I didn't play super long because – well, you've seen everything with the head head injuries and long-term effects, so we'll see. They definitely got to make it a little bit safer, but it is what it is right now, right? Anyway, moving on. For me this week, I have Ronald Leary. It's pretty uh, self-explanatory. Ronald Leary is probably the one of two players on this team that deserve to get a trip to the Pro Bowl, play this season, and he's been playing great football, but this week he's probably against the, as far as I can remember, the best interior. Ah, that's not true. Fletcher Cox. Besides Fletcher Cox. This is the best interior defensive lineman he's faced this season in Geno Matkins, especially as a pass rusher. And Brock Osweiler, you know, he's been better in the pocket as far as stepping up and moving around and avoiding pressure and getting rid of the ball when he needs to. But he can sometimes struggle, especially when there's pressure in his face. Saw that with the Texans last year. And Ronald Leary's been one of the best pass blockers this year, but this is a real hard test for him. So Ronald Leary against Geno Atkins and his ability to hold up in the past game and also open up holes in the run game is a huge uh, matchup this week and definitely the X factor that I'm looking forward to watching. I like it. That, that's Thank definitely a, a huge matchup in this one. He wins that battle. Good chance our offense can do a few things. Yep. That's probably the one I'll be writing about this week as well. So probably we'll get out about the same time this podcast is released. Very nice. Well, should we go into some game plan mode for this game? Absolutely. I was the Broncos defense last week so i guess i'll be the offense this week sounds good to me all right well it's a pretty easy thing we've been touching on it you know you've hit on it a few times the Bengals are not great against the run and this means that the broncos should probably run the ball a lot they did lose jonathan williams to the saints practice squad this week but we are still very deep at running back cj anderson jamal charles Devontae booker and deon joe henderson hopefully going to get some more touches here soon with the season kind of looking more of a evaluation season the rest of the way and as long as the Broncos, you know, don't shoot themselves in the foot on special teams or throw pick six or fumble it for a fumble six, I guess, whatever you call it. Um, the defense or the Broncos offense should be able to at least control the pace of the game better than they have since the Chiefs game, which honestly, we didn't really ever control the pace of that one. We were always a little bit behind. We almost gave up 21 points in the first quarter. So that said, hopefully we can control the pace of this one a little bit better. We can play football that we've wanted to play all season with our defense hopefully controlling the game, um, not letting the Bengals get off to a quick early start. And that means we can run the football, and that opens up the play action. But for me, it's definitely going to be running the football. I'm running it at Geno Atkins. He is a wider guy, 285, 290, up the middle. Broncos tackles have not been the best. I'm not sure what you're going to get at Barber in the run game on the right side. But if you can use that inside, those hog mollies on the inside, Leary, Curtis, and even Garcia, who's – up and down, but, you know, has some splash plays, especially as a run blocker. I think that's the way you get them. So if you can establish that run game, keep the game close in that regard, and open up some of that play action where Brock Osweiler looks like he doesn't have issues uh, throwing the ball down the field, giving Sanders and DT a chance to go make plays outside the hash marks. Uh, I think that's how you win this game from an offensive perspective. Of course, you got to protect the football, not give those 
decent Bengals cornerbacks a chance to make a play on the ball. But I'm attacking them that in that way. I like it. I like it. Now, I was just kind of thinking maybe we should do game plan mode for the special teams. Oh, God. And my, my thought was Bear kick catch. it out of the end zone every single time. Catch the football. <laughs> yes. Don't put the football on the turf. There you go. Easy. That's Stick it. Stick in your That's run it. lane. Stick in your lanes. Gosh darn it. Those stupid freaking punt returns. Every yeah. time, like the one against the, the Chargers where people were kind of getting after Dixon. I saw like three special teams guys that vacate their lanes. I think one of them was at Abali, so that's one of the reasons he's probably gone. But just play disciplined. Don't yep. try to do too much. Do your job. Sorry. <sighs> seems simple. It seems so simple, but it is what it is. But okay, so defense. Here's what I'm doing. I am not blitzing this game. Maybe a handful of situations, but but going back and watching and this Bengals team, and I, I found these stats. The the Titans. Blitz Dalton 33% of the time. He had a completion percentage of 72.7 through two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a passer rating of 130.9. This is not a team that you blitz. Dalton loves when you have those one-on-one coverage, especially A.J. Green. He loves when, hey, A.J. Green, you just run deep. I'll just throw it. You run under it. Go catch it. That's, that's one of their favorite plays to do. So I'm not blitzing this game. I'm going to trust my front four that they're going to be able to get something done against this terrible offensive line. I'm going to tell my outside guys, outside contained guys, Shane Ray, Von Miller, I'm saying stay home, be disciplined. Don't let Joe Mixon bounce it to the outside. Let our inside guys go make their plays, and you play outside in. And then, again, like I said, with A.J. Green, you're double teaming him almost the entire game. I know I don't have him in my top five, but he's probably in that six or seven spot. And he is such a big play threat. You just can't let that one player go beat you. I I always love – and. Not always love. I, I respect the heck out of Bill Belichick and the way that he coaches that defense because their game plan is I'm going to take your favorite weapon. I'm going to take the strength of your team and I'm going to sell out to stop it. And I'm going to tell you that you have to beat me any other way but your strength. And so for the Bengals, that strength is A.J. Green. I'm saying anybody else go out and beat our players. So I'm having Justin Simmons is mostly my, my guy because he's that athletic freak. Plus, I love Darian Stewart more in the run game, coming down, crashing, making plays. Although Justin Simmons isn't terrible, he's a pretty good tackler. I watched him make Dude, that. He, had, he, he laid some wood, and then yeah, oh, I've never seen right. him lay wood like that. I know that was that was a. I, I kept having to. Is that really thirty-one making those plays? That was that was pretty special to see. But no, he's a very he's a very sound tackler, and I think he's getting a little bit more aggressive in in the way that he's hitting players. But still, I, I just want Darian Stewart coming down, making those plays in the run game. So, and Justin Simmons, he just has that that big play threat that maybe when one of those thrown up, he gets the the pick because he outleaps. Even A.J. Green, I, that, that'd be a fun battle to see who could outleap who. I think A.J. Green still has him a little bit, but but it'd still be a, a fun little jump jump ball competition between the two. And otherwise, I'm playing a lot of man coverage across the board and just trusting my guys to outplay theirs because I just feel like my guys are more talented. And I think that should be a pretty simple game plan. I think if, I think if you want to really simplify things down, I think that's the way you do it and just say, hey, go out there and play, play to your strengths. I think we played way too much zone lately. Play to the strength of this defense. Play man coverage. Trust your guys to actually go hold up and do their job. I think there's just too many complications going on. And when you don't have great communication among your players, when they're kind of fighting, Sometimes it's just better just to go out there and say, hey, you got this guy, you got this guy, go do your job. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, I mean, I 
we're going to come up on the game prediction here, but seems like a game the Broncos should be in. So at the very least, we're not going to see the backup quarterback in the fourth quarter of the Bengals. Although maybe McCarron would be giving an audition. I'm not a big McCarron guy, but I know I've seen some Bronco fans say that we should go after him. You know, desperate times call for desperate measures, I guess. But we're definitely hope- hopefully not going to see him this week. I'm not cheering for an Andy Dalton injury, and hopefully he's not coming up in, in mop, out, mop up time. Unless the Broncos are blowing him out. Then in that case, we can see him out there. <laughs> bring him but, on. All right. Yeah, bring him on. Absolutely. <laughs> bring on the Bungles. But, yeah, this is a Broncos have historically owned the Bengals. So hopefully we'll keep that trend going. I know I want to get a high draft pick and – the season, we're not making the playoffs. I mean, if we win seven in a row, even if we win seven in a row and get to 10 wins, that's not a guarantee that we're going to make the playoffs. So, I don't know. I feel like it's more about evaluation at this point, get the young guys in. But you still go out there and play to win the game. Those guys have a finite career. They're still trying to put up tape and play well, you know, securing their future as well. So, hopefully, hopefully the Broncos will come out and get that W. But before we get to the predictions, we got to move on to what to watch for. And last week, Carl, you did big play chances and, well – if you consider fumbles big plays, then I would say that that did not work out too well for the Broncos. No, it d- definitely did not. I, they, did, they did have some big plays in the pass game, so that, that was very nice to see. And a couple of nice runs here and there, but that was, that was about it. And like I said, none of them ended in the end zone. That was, that was the big thing, and, and the Patriots will do that. They'll, they'll give up the big play, but they're not going to give up the touchdown. And then they're going to crack down the red zone and say, all right, you got to go beat us here. And most teams don't seem to be able to do it. And Broncos definitely showed they cannot do it. They've been one of the worst red zone teams in the NFL. And it started out so strong. That's what's so crazy. And, and it's why in the NFL, you have to wait for things to play out stats-wise. Things can be so crazy those first couple weeks. You're going to have teams that just show up and you're going to go, oh my goodness, this team is looking amazing. And then as the season progresses and teams kind of catch on to their tendencies, things fall apart. So had a couple big plays, just didn't quite finish them off. Yeah, and for me, I did interior pass rush. It's something that we've been missing all year. You touched on Derek Wolf, uh, not really out there when you'd want, hope to see him there. Adam Gotsis really hasn't offered much as a pass rusher, which I'm hoping for year two or year three, I guess. Um, hopefully he'll take that step. And it takes that many years. People were saying Derek Wolf was a bust and can't rush the passer his second year in the league. And Gotsis is even a little bit farther behind the curve, but I, I still have some hope for him. And Pecco, uh, not really much of an interior pass rusher. Shelby Harris, I felt like they ran at Shelby Harris pretty consistently last week too. I enjoyed what I saw in the preseason, but he's definitely regressed a little bit. I think he's probably a better fourth interior defensive lineman. And whatever happened to Zach Kerr? I don't I, know. I, I, had a high, I actually had high hopes for him. Yeah, me too. Nothing. I, I, I haven't seen him. Maybe that injury is pretty serious. or I, I don't know. But he's been... A no-show, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, interior pass rush did not get home to Brady. We had that one sack of Brady. Von Miller got close a few times, but he can't do it himself and didn't really see much of Shane Ray or Barrett. Justin Simmons also got home one time as well. Uh, But for me this week, my key area what to watch for is third down offense. And it's not even the success rate of the third down offense, although it does have part to do with it. Um, It's what the Broncos do on first and second down, if they can get themselves into manageable third downs. Bengals, defense is meh they have some solid players but they're not great and like we touched on their run defense isn't great so what does that mean broncos need to get those yards on first and second down to get those third and twos get those third and threes get those manageable first downs where you can run it or pass it or even maybe even take a shot down the field when they're thinking you know oh this team's only going to be trying to get two yards now that's when you punch them in the mouth and i would hopefully hoping with our run offense you know probably the strength of the offense 
and Bengals run defense being pretty poor this year. If we can get some solid third down uh, average down to go or average distance to go on those third downs, um, that would be huge for the offense and can help us move the ball more effectively and keep the defense on the sideline, give them a breather. You know, something that we haven't seen from this offense and good choice. I went with uh, special teams. <laughs> I honestly, I, I was a little bit shocked that Olivo had his job, that he still has his job right now. And so I think this is a week where if they put up anything even subpar, I mean, I'm not talking what this last week was probably one of the worst special teams performances I've ever seen. It's always against the gosh darn Pats too, isn't I know. it? It really always is. Always against the Pats. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But yes, if we have just even a subpar game with special teams, I just, I don't know if he gets on the plane on the way back or I guess they're in Denver. So I guess they don't have a plane. Maybe he just goes home, packs up his house and, and, and heads wherever, but it, it's just been very disappointing. I was really excited about that hire. I think everybody really was. He had that first press conference and everybody's like, oh my gosh, this guy is awesome. I'm going to go run through a wall for this guy. And then we're looking at this going, everybody's running through nothing. I don't, <laughs> they're running off. I don't, I don't even know where they're running to, not where the ball is. That's for sure. It just, it, it's been terrible. And it's been one of the, the worst units. I know everybody's been really harping on the offense and where things are, but special teams has maybe been even worse than our offense. And that, that's, that's saying something. So it's a, a big week for him and his job security, at least for the rest of this year. I don't, I don't I have a hard time seeing that he's going to keep his job beyond this year, even if they play better. But it's just, man, such a the, – the Broncos are showing why special teams is important not to neglect. Everybody wants, wants, always wants to talk about offense and defense. Special teams is always kind of the, the left-out child or – the you know the young child that everybody kind of ignores or the middle child I guess that's more the, that's the what term I'm looking for yeah <laughs> and uh, right now they're showing exactly why you can't ignore them because if they're great it, it can be the difference between it, it can actually win you some games if they are terrible it definitely loses you games and this is the game man that we've been harping on it Broncos should win this one it's at home against a pretty subpar team. These are the games you have to win during the season. And the Broncos right now, they've been giving up some wins that they should really be winning. Chargers game at home, uh, or I guess that one was on the road, but it's kind of like a second home game because they don't have a whole lot of fans. Giants at home, losing that game. Now Bengals at home. These are the games you have to win if you want to be a, a decent contender. And I know we're not really a contender this year, but at least to have a little bit, bit of pride to show what the, the Broncos can do. And you're right. The, the Broncos have really owned the Bengals. We did lose December 22nd, 2014. I looked it up. And I don't know if you remember that game. Uh, Peyton Manning was playing, and it was that rain-soaked game where he couldn't hardly hold on to the football. Yes. Yep, I remember that one. Okay. That was the last one that we lost. And then before that, it was clear back in 2004 was the last time the Bengals beat us. Or no, sorry. Yes, yes, 2004. Yeah, yep, I remember that game. But again, so this this should be a game that, that we win, but just with how the team has been turning the ball over, you can't really beat any team when you're turning the ball over as much as the Broncos. We could be playing the Browns, and all these turnovers could lead to a loss. That's how bad it is. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> of course, especially, I mean, I just can't believe how bad special teams has been. 
you know, it's one of those things where if it's going well, you don't really appreciate it. But when it's going bad, you definitely notice it. Hopefully I turned around. I mean, I'm still hoping Brock Olivo turns around. Maybe he's gone. I was definitely, I definitely tweeted out he needs to be gone because that was the worst special teams game I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen some horrible high school games and FAIA college football games, but that was just terrible execution. So absolutely horrible. All right, Carl. Well, we're down to our last section here. And I'm honestly, I'm feeling a little bit optimistic. I'll I'll kick it off because I I feel like I always steal your scores. So I want to just continue that trend. (laughs) And I think, I think the Broncos are going to win a close one, but I see a 24 to 21 victory with Brandon McManus hitting a game winning field goal. Uh, not as time expires, but late in the fourth quarter, and then the defense coming up clutch with a, a big stop. I like it. I like it. You did not take my score this week. Woo! <laughs> I, I I had it. I was I was writing it down as you were saying it, so I can maybe take a picture and show you that <laughs> I just don't copy your score and say, "Hey, you took my score." I I'm going twenty to sixteen. Broncos win. I, I think the defense just. I, I think they got so much pride. I think they're going to show up, especially home crowd. After what's been put out there these last couple weeks, how could you not be embarrassed by what's been happening? And so just wanted to go out there and show that they, they still have something left to prove. And, and I see a nice win for the Broncos in this one. Well, hopefully we're right. Because last time we said the Broncos would win, they got absolutely smacked by the darn Eagles. So that, granted, this is not the best team in football that we're going to travel against that's coming off a of bye week to prepare for us. So... Fingers crossed the Broncos can get that W. And, you know, I'm not, I'm never cheering for the Broncos to lose, but everybody should be cheering for the teams that have worse records than us to win. That's key. <laughs> so, I mean, as terrible as it is, you know, cheer for the Chargers, gross, cheer for the Colts, cheer for the Browns, cheer for the Giants, cheer for all those three, four win teams because Broncos can keep winning. That's great. But we want to keep pace with that top 10 pick because we want an option to get a top offensive tackle, top quarterback, or maybe even a shiny new Saquon Barkley. We'll see. All right. Well, that will wrap up the Week 11 podcast, the Scouts Eye Preview for Huddle Up, for at Carl Dumbler MHH, and myself on Twitter, at Nick Kendall MHH. Carl right now has a not enough followers, in my opinion. He's off, often posting insightful stuff and a great follow. So you listeners, I challenge you guys to tweet him. You're uh, troll him, too. He's, he's really fun to tease as well. Not as fun to tease as Eric Trickle, um, but, you know, Good times to tease them. I'm, I'm definitely a troll on Twitter. I don't say BS all the time, but I'm, I'm definitely busting some balls on there, especially Eric, but he asks for it. Um, <laughs> you can find our articles at Mile High Huddle and affiliate of scout.com and CBS Sports Digital Network. I wrote an article yesterday talking about how the, season, the season's expectations need to be changed and we need to get those young guys in there to evaluate what we have. And, I mean, a win this week, you know, potentially this is, this is a veteran team that has – had ex- high expectations, so maybe that's a little bit hard sell. But at this point, I don't see us contending for the playoffs. Five losses in a row, three and six record. Even with the easy schedule down the stretch, we just we weren't able to get it done in that stretch. If you guys go back a month when the Broncos were three and one heading that bye, we say after this bye week, this next these next five games will determine the season. Broncos lose all five. So, <laughs> I mean, we weren't psychics or anything. You could look at you could look at how the Broncos were strugg- struggling on tape, and you could see the schedule and say this this could be a problem. And it was much worse of a problem than I, I think either of us expected. But it's, I think it's time to see those young guys. And even though Brock Osweiler isn't playing horrid bad, he's not playing great. But I think it's time to see Paxton Lynch if he's healthy as well. You know, just got to see what he has. And it's an easier schedule and really n- no real expectations. No, 
playoff expectations, at least in that regard. So it's time to play Carl's boy and see what we have. And Carl, we can finish off our bet sooner than later then. You can buy me that drink. <laughs> I know, I know. No, that that's that's my one hope for the rest of the year is to get to see my boy Paxton and and either have my dreams crushed or uh, to be able to laugh at everybody's face that had already given up on him. So, you know, all you all you Twitter trolls out there, you can you can laugh at me for being a Paxton Homer and how much I've stuck by him through thick and thin, a lot of a lot of thick for sure. But but yeah, no, I'm excited to see him. Hopefully, it's not going to be this week, but. I keep hearing it's going to be next week and then it doesn't happen. So <laughs> I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but maybe next week. Did you read that article that I sent you today from the pre-draft process where he said a lot of teams had some issues with a couple of his joints? And I think one of those was the AC joint as well. Yeah, I did. I did read that. And maybe that's why this has taken so long is that there is still some already either scar tissue or something going on there. Definitely an issue. Definitely an issue. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be a two- or three-week recovery process, and here we are, week 11, and still no Paxton. And honestly, with the way this team's been playing, I think if Paxton was healthy, we'd have seen him potentially in that Eagles game, maybe the Chiefs game, but we'll never know. Um, you can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio up on YouTube. You can check that out, and I like to comment on there um, sometimes. You guys need to be a little bit nicer on those comment sections, man. We're all just Bronco fans. I know it's testy right now, but man, God, love is love, man. Right? I'm not. I know you're. T- you were the one that was smelling like pot after that Bronco game, but man, just just love each other. <laughs> we're, we got it spoiled. We're not the Browns. This is one bad season. We're ripping each other apart. It's it's gonna get better, right? It's gotta get better. At least I think it's gonna get better. I mean, I trust Elway still. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love talking with you guys. For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile High Huddle.